Welcome to this week's episode of the Jewish Diaspora Report. On this week's episode, we say goodbye to the U.S. Representative Ilhan Omar from the Foreign Affairs Committee, even though there are plenty of others who deserve to lose their seats too. Let's get started. This debate today, it's about who gets to be an American. What opinions do we get to have, do we have to have to be counted as Americans? This is what this debate is about, Madam Speaker. There is this idea that you are a suspect if you are an immigrant, or if you are from certain parts of the world, or a certain skin tone, or a Muslim. These are the words of the U.S. Representative Ilhan Omar from Minnesota before she was eventually voted by the Republican majority of the House to be removed from the Foreign Affairs Committee. We have seen an online outpouring of laughter and goodbyes from many pro-Israel activists about her removal from this prestigious committee. According to Ms. Omar herself, she claims that the reason for being kicked off of this committee is that the Republican majority House does not like that she's a Muslim or an immigrant. She stood on the House floor with a long speech claiming that the Republicans were trying to dictate, quote, who is an American. However, Ms. Omar is very disingenuous because she knows exactly what she's leaving out, a major issue that makes the pro-Israel activists happy to see her go. Ms. Omar has been embroiled in numerous scandals where she's used anti-Semitic tropes and ideas in order to attack the state of Israel and Jewish Americans. The irony, of course, is that her speech was almost entirely about how she, a Muslim woman, is seen as less than a regular American, and her ideas or loyalties are being called into question while at the same time continuously suggesting that Jewish Americans are somehow more loyal to Israel and that their loyalties should always be questioned. In 2019, in a democratically controlled house, Ms. Omar was called out by both sides of the aisle and forced to apologize for her comment that suggested Jewish Americans and Israel are hypnotizing the world in order to support the only democratic state in the Middle East. In her apology, that some may see as sincere, but others suggest is simply apologizing for political reasons, she claims that she was unaware that using these tropes were anti-Semitic. These anti-Semitic tropes had been used against Jews in many countries all over the world for generations. It may be hard to believe that someone who has reached the levels like Miss Omar had never heard these tropes before or understood what anti-Semitism is and what it includes, but she did apologize nonetheless. Following the demand for the apology, a resolution was brought forth by the minority Republican Party demanding more of an official punishment for these comments. This resolution did not pass, and Omar continued to do her work in the House, including being part of the Foreign Affairs Committee. The reason why this appears to be problematic, at least according to the pro-Israel movement, and those who have supported removing Omar from her committees, is that she has direct connections to the United States and its relationship with its allies and adversaries around the world. Israel has long been an ally of the United States as the only democracy in the Middle East. Israel and the United States work closely together when sharing information on their shared enemies and mutual security. Sadly, Ms. Omar, in one of her anti-Semitic tweets, compared Israel and the United States with terrorist organizations like Hamas. This, along with other anti-Semitic tropes that she used, were the cause for her judgment to be called into question by the House. Rarely do we ever hear Ms. Omar speak out against Islamic terrorism, something that should be very easily done. A terrorist attack against Jews at the hand of Hamas rockets or stabbing by Islamic Jihad terrorists go on without any condemnation from Ms. Omar. However, any attempt at stopping terrorism by the Israelis is quickly condemned by the progressive left. 
Not only has Ms. Omar equated Israel and Hamas, a democracy fighting terrorists and those terrorists who aim to harm civilians, but Ms. Omar continues to only call out Israel, even after her apology and the supposedly understanding that her views tend to be anti-Semitic. When asked this week by CNN's Dana Bash about her history of anti-Semitic remarks and the support of the BDS anti-Semitic movement, along with other terrorist ideologies, this is what she had to say. I might have uh, used words at the time that I didn't understand were trafficking in uh, anti-Semitism. When that was brought to my attention, I apologized. I owned up to it. That's the kind of person that I am. Uh, And I continue to work with my colleagues and my community uh, to fight against anti-Semitism. You can judge for yourself if you feel Ms. Omar has actually learned any lessons about her anti-Semitic remarks. At a minimum, it does appear that she continues to push her anti-Israel and anti-Semitic ideas with her progressive left colleagues. In her speech this week to the House, she completely ignored her own history of being called out for her poor judgment about Israel and Jewish Americans. She is trying to play victim and claim that the only reason that the House Republicans are trying to have her removed is because she is an immigrant and a Muslim. There's absolutely no self-reflection or accountability for her actions in the past and her continued hatred towards Israel through the BDS movement. In her speech to the House, she continues and says things like this. There is an idea out there that I am not, that I do not have objective decision making because of who I am, where I come from, and my perspective. But I reject that. We say there is nothing objective about policy making. We all inject our perspective our point of views, our lived experiences, and the voices of our constituents. That's what democracy is about. So I will continue to speak up because representation matters. I will continue to speak up for little kids who wonder who's speaking up for them. I will continue to speak up for families around the world who are seeking justice. Whether they are displaced in refugee camps or they are hiding under their beds, somewhere like I was, waiting for the bullets to stop. For those of you who have not seen the speech, Ms. Omar is standing next to a very large blown up photo of what I presume is herself as a child with a Muslim headpiece on. She unapologetically claims that it is her job to speak up for the little people around the world and to hold the U.S. foreign policy accountable. However, one thing that she does not ever seem to do, for some reason, is stand up for the children and people of Israel who are stabbed, shot, or blown up by radical extremist groups. These children, I assume, are not under her purview as a foreign affairs committee member. The fact that she does not speak up for every little child around the world, only the ones that she chooses to care about, is exactly why her judgment is in question, and why I would suggest that she holds anti-Semitic ideas. It is not anti-Semitic to question U.S. foreign policy, or to have questions about the Israeli government's actions to fight terror. It is, however, anti-Semitic to tweet multiple times about a Palestinian terrorist and civilians that are harmed during Israeli security force missions after two Palestinian terrorists murdered and harmed multiple Israeli civilians one Shabbat evening while leaving synagogue. She didn't even attempt to pay lip service with thoughts and prayers during her tweets towards the Israelis that were harmed by a Palestinian terrorist. Ms. Omar's social media is very clear. Anybody who is killed by the Israeli security forces is automatically an innocent civilian, and any Israeli person killed by Palestinian terrorists are not even worth discussing. This, of course, is completely purposeful and a very big sign of poor judgment or bias. 
someone with such clear bias towards one country, a democratic country that follows the rule of law and tries to fight against endless waves of terror without calling out Iran's funding of these terrorist organizations who aim at harming civilians, should not be allowed to even question U.S. foreign policy. When we come back, we will look at another progressive representative and her strange reaction to the removal of Representative Ilhan Omar. We will be right back on the Jewish Diaspora Report. In our last segment, we had heard progressive representative Ilhan Omar speaking about how her removal from the Foreign Affairs Committee was based solely on her skin color and religious beliefs, while ignoring the countless times that she'd been called out for anti-Semitic and anti-Israel issues, calling into question her judgment. We saw another impassioned speech on the floor by her fellow progressive representative, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez from New York. For those of you who have heard our previous podcast, this is the same representative we called out for her ignorance in the episode called Opinions Are Like A-Holes. In that episode, we saw her forceful condemnation for the state of Israel. But when simply questioned for this surface-level platitude, she literally had no ability to support her arguments and what she had said. To hear this laughable, awkward interview, check out that previous episode. This time, Cortez is standing up on the House floor for her anti-Israel colleague before she's removed from her position on the committee. This is what she had to say. I think one of the things that we should talk about here is also one of the disgusting legacies after 9-11 has been the targeting and racism against Muslim Americans throughout the United States of America. And this is an extension of that legacy. Consistency, there is nothing consistent with the Republican Party's continued attack except for the racism and incitement of violence against women of color in this body. For those of you who have not seen the clip, Cortez is really amped up here. It is either out of anger or some type of performance art. While she's speaking, she is bouncing up and down almost uncontrollably and ending her speech with an odd slapping of her notebook on the table in some type of faux rage. Performance art aside, we see that Cortez is trying the same ploy as Omar, suggesting that this act of taking Omar off of her committee is solely based on being a woman of color and a Muslim. Miss Cortez, of course, ignores all of the anti-Semitic remarks made by Representative Omar in the past, which would be obviously very difficult for someone who herself has made anti-Semitic and anti-Israel remarks and been called out for it. Miss Cortez also doesn't acknowledge the rise in anti-Semitism that is caused by people like herself and Ilhan Omar. One thing that they're also leaving out in their faux outrage is that Miss Cortez, a woman of color, has not lost her own position on committees. Nor has Representative Talib, another Muslim woman who has also continued her work on her important committees. The Republicans have not attacked Muslims or women of color. They have attacked one woman who happens to be black and Muslim because of her poor judgment in the exact area that she's being asked to legislate on. One of the arguments used by Ms. Cortez and others for their reasoning behind why they are calling out their opponents as hypocrites is because some Republican members of Congress have also displayed anti Semitic views. In particular, they call out Representative Green from Georgia for her theory on Jewish space lasers and Representative Gosar of Arizona, who has often become very close with white nationalist groups and helped spread their ideas. The progressive left is 100% right about these accusations, and there are many similarities between these actions. They are right when they suggest that the Republican Party has not sufficiently called out the anti-Semitism and hate in their own party. I would, however, like to remind my listeners who may be unaware, in 2019, which was not that long ago, the Republicans did remove a member of their own party from committees after Representative Steve King of Iowa was making racist remarks. 
According to the New York Times, the House Republican leaders removed Republican Steve King of Iowa from the Judiciary and Agriculture Committees as party officials scrambled to appear tough on racism and contain the damage from the comments Mr. King made to the New York Times, questioning why white supremacy is considered offensive. However, we are in a new age of politics these days, where parties refuse to admit wrongdoing by their own members, or worse, alienate their base by sanctioning one of their own. The days are long gone where morality and civility was upheld on a bipartisan basis. The Republicans have watched and condoned their members spread misinformation, racist theories, and anti-Semitic white nationalism, but will not call them out. The previous Democratic House leader, Nancy Pelosi, had voted in the last Congress to remove Ms. Green and Mr. Gosar from their committees after their own infractions. Pelosi and the Democrats claimed it was due to their lack of a response from the Republican side. In the same CNN interview we heard earlier with Dana Bash, the host turns to Jewish representative Adam Schiff in order to comment on the anti-Semitism of his own party and completely avoids the topic altogether. Let's hear how he responded. Do you believe that the pattern that your colleague here has put out there is, as Republicans are saying and some Democrats say, uh, rise to the level of anti-Semitism? Dana, I believe that this is all a pretext. Uh, And if you look at uh, the leader of the Republican Party, uh, Donald Trump, uh, he is dining with white nationalists and anti-Semites. The people that Kevin McCarthy just put on committees like Marjorie Taylor Greene and others are speaking at white nationalist rallies. Um, This is, uh, you know, as my colleague said, Bakersfield BS. This is all pretextual. uh, And I don't accept the premise uh, that this has anything to do with the conduct of any of the Democratic members. As you can hear, Representative Schiff, someone who has spoken out against anti-Semitism in the U.S. House, completely ignores Ilhan Omar's past comments and shifts the topic of conversation. He, a Jewish member of Congress, is unable to call out a colleague for her mistake, even one that she has apologized for. Ironically, a recent member of the Republican House has pushed the Republican leadership to the limit for their accommodation of bad behavior and the bending over backwards to avoid having to take action against one of their own members. I'm sure many of my listeners by now have heard about the repeated lies from New York Republican Representative George Santos, the man who pretended to be Jewish and claimed victimhood from the Holocaust in order to gain votes from the Jewish population in his district. The Republicans happily put Mr. Santos on a committee, even with the accusations of his lies and possible campaign crimes. The justification by their leader, Mr. McCarthy, is that Mr. Santos was legally elected to Congress, and until it's proven that he has done something wrong, he deserves to be seated on a committee. This would be a fair statement, but seems very hypocritical that they don't feel the same way about Ms. Omar. It seems to clearly reveal their own biases against Ms. Omar. In the end, what we've seen in this situation with Ms. Omar is that both sides have a problem with anti-Semitism and hate. Both sides are using their opponent's hate to try and score political points. Neither side is willing to call out their own side for their anti-Semitic views. In our previous podcast, called Stop Pretending You Care About the Jews, we spoke about the reality that even when calling out their opponents, the politicians and political parties don't care about the Jews who are actually facing increased anti-Semitism as a result of both sides of the political aisle. They only care about Jews and hatred against the Jews as long as they can use it as a weapon against their political enemies. People voted in, even with their anti-Semitic views, sadly have a right to hold their seats to represent the people that voted them in. Parties, however, do not need to seat these people on committees. It is up to the party to have standards for what's acceptable and what is not acceptable for their members. 
Hopefully, like in the case of Representative Steve King, once removed from his committee by his party, he then lost his next election and was therefore out of Congress forever. However, these days we find that no one is interested in holding their own party members accountable, and they'll bend over backwards to avoid calling them out. They will also ensure that they are sitting on committees, especially on the committees that are directly related to their own biases and issues. When it comes to Miss Omar, they can pretend that this is about her race or religion or immigrant status. But this is clearly an issue that Democrats are unwilling to accept, that a member who has expressed ignorant and biased anti-Israel views should not be involved in dealing with our allies on foreign affairs. Similarly, the Republican members who have shown themselves to have poor decision-making skills should also be called out and removed from any positions of decision-making. Why has politics become so siloed that you can only call out your opposition rather than being introspective and looking at your own party and your own issues? Anybody who has a demonstrable bias, ignorance, or willingness to side with the wrong side of an issue has no place on a committee that controls the country's policies towards those very biases. This is not to suggest that criticizing Israel is an automatic removal from foreign affairs, but it does mean that when you seem to only call out one side of a very complex issue and completely ignore the death, destruction, and suffering of a democratic ally state and try to restrict their ability to protect their citizens from terrorists, the same terrorists that you seem to empathize with and support, all I can say is, so long, Miss Omar. This has been another episode of the Jewish Diaspora Report. Don't forget to check us out on social media at jdr.podcast and check out some of our other episodes on your favorite podcast source. We'll see you next time.